Have you ever heard the term rubbernecking? Rubbernecking, as I've come to learn it, is a term that is used, for instance, have you ever been in your car and you're driving along and all of a sudden you hit some traffic and you realize that the cause of this traffic is that up ahead there is an accident. And as you slowly drive towards this accident, you find yourself fixated on the sirens that are ahead and a little bit of the commotion that you can see. And as you get closer, you can make out maybe a couple cars or more that seem to be involved in the car accident. Maybe you're starting to see some emergency response people and other folks that are running around and tending to those that were involved in the accident. And as you get up to the accident and your car begins to pass the accident, you're turning your head and you're looking to observe the scene and everything that has gone on. And as you move away from and drive away from this accident, you're turning your head, looking backwards, perhaps in the rear view, but really stretching and turning your neck so that you can see everything that is there to take in in terms of the accident that you have just driven by. This is rubbernecking. And today we are going to talk about how not to be somebody who rubbernecks on disasters, especially as they're portrayed in the media. Welcome to the dojo. So I'm recording this on Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. And right now, Hurricane Ian is projected to impact our area within two days. I'm talking the eye of the storm right now is projected to go over the north central Florida area on Thursday um, and come across Tampa, come out towards Jacksonville and up into Georgia. And so for anyone that's been in Florida for a number of years, will very well know what it's like just before a hurricane comes. It's a time of a lot of um, preparation. Uh, people tend to be what I would consider to be in fight or flight mode. Uh, there's elevated levels of anxiety and stress and even excitement, I would say, uh, is in the air. You know, when you go to stores, there's a, a lot of people there buying things. There's a, shelves are definitely cleared and, and some of the essential hurricane supplies. It's all over the news, uh, constant messaging, and, and that's just about everything that anyone is uh, talking about. And it's coming. It's up ahead. We know now that it's likely going to impact somewhere in Florida. And if it doesn't hit Florida, it's going to hit somewhere. Then it's, it's going to be coming into the Gulf and, and it's going to go somewhere. So by the time this episode airs on Monday, October 3rd, there's likely, hopefully not, but some people that are alive as I'm recording this now that won't be alive when this airs. 
There will likely be people that have electricity and running water and shelter right now that will not when this airs. Uh, there will be likely people that um, are needing to be relocated, that may need durable medical equipment, that may be separated from their personal care attendants or service animals, that may need medications that uh, they can't refill because of, of the interruptions that are caused by this. There's going to be a lot of people that are in a good situation right now that won't be in a good situation by the time this airs. So my, my heart and uh, my thoughts and my prayers go out to, to everyone who is going to be impacted by, by the storm when it does make landfall. When we look at the media, you know, the lifespan of, of the media cycle, when a hurricane is coming, when the hurricane is hitting, uh, the day after the hurricane, and then uh, afterwards is very predictable. And so what happens typically is that a lot of attention in the media gets played leading up to it, the storm. Where is it going to hit? What's the projected path? Who's in the way? Where is it going to go? And it's important for us as an organization that helps people with disabilities to be prepared for hurricanes, to be communicating this information out. This is very critical. The days uh, leading up to it and making sure people have plans, that they know where they're going, transportation to shelters. This is all stuff we're working on as I speak. Our center, along with other centers in the state, are on daily calls with one another. We're on calls with the state's emergency operations center and the county level emergency operations centers, making sure that we are preparing for this as best we can. And that when shelters get activated, that they have all the accommodations that people with disabilities will need, whether they're sign language interpreters, um, whether it's durable medical equipment, transportation to the shelters, that the staff are adequately trained to communicate with people with disabilities if they need be, just in time training is something that often gets done, but et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We are preparing. But and this episode is not about that per se. We have many episodes that we've already created that we talk about meeting uh, the needs of people before, during, and after disasters. We will link that into the show notes. Please check them out. We have many episodes in which we talk about how people with disabilities tend to be the most vulnerable population uh, before, during, and after disasters. And so the media spends a lot of time leading up to this point. When the hurricane hits, the media, then we will see that reporter out in the storm telling us how stormy it is. And there will be a lot of attention on the media as the storm hits. And then the day after, the media will be all around showing images of the destruction left in the wake of the storm. And then, in the days and weeks and months to follow, when people are working to pick up the pieces and put their lives back together, many of the people that no longer have a home to go back to are needing to relocate somewhere, find housing, perhaps through that relocation are having to find new jobs, their kids are having to go to new schools, and all the work that accompanies this. This ends up, this is termed the recovery phase. This tends to take months and years. Not as much media coverage. And that's where the real work really, really ends up being. Now, the preparation 
ahead of the storm is very important. The response as the storm hits is very important. And the recovery afterwards is critical where people put their lives back on. I find it very interesting that in the media coverage, there's a lot of attention before and during and the day after. But not so much when the real, real, real work begins for many of the people. I map this onto the beginning and how I talk about we see an accident. In this case, we're, we're about to see a big accident. When the accident is happening and as we're going by it and we're in the midst of the accident, we're looking. And as the day after the accident happens, we're turning and looking and rubbernecking at all the damage, we the media, as I'm referring it to this. But then as we do in our car, perhaps as we drive away from the accident, we, we may think to ourselves, you know, I've got to drive a little safer. or I wish the people well that are in that accident. As we go on and drive away, how long does that really stick with us? And when these, these disasters happen, what are we doing in our own lives that can improve our situation or the situation of others regarding disasters? Are we only paying attention to the media before, during, and the day after? Or are we concerning ourselves with the, the struggles of the people afterwards? Are we moved to, to, to send money to, to good organizations that are doing this work? Are we inspired to perhaps come up with a, a disaster plan for ourselves to keep ourselves safe, to keep the family or friends that we have safe? Are we going to check on our neighbors to to see if, you know, if a disaster does come, how are we going to be there for them? Are we moved to do something after watching this on the media? Because I imagine most, of the, most people are going to be watching this and not be impacted by this. And I find it interesting that we seem to be, so collectively we as a, a media-consuming society tend to be so captivated before, during, and the day after. But what happens afterwards? What do we really do? Is this, are we just consuming this as pure entertainment? Or is this something that's really moving us to get more involved? More involved in ensuring that we are going to be safe um, if a disaster, God forbid, was to impact us. Ensuring that our family and friends and those that we love are safe, God forbid, if they, a disaster impacts them. Are we so moved to perhaps become a volunteer for an emergency management organization like the Red Cross, you know, becoming a volunteer that if a disaster strikes, that you're willing to go spend your time helping in the recovery efforts or the response efforts as it hits. Are we going to get involved? Or are we just going to be rubbernecking these disasters as they come through the lens of the media? I think it's a very important question to ask us because whether we're in Florida and it's a hurricane, whether we're out west and it's the fires, whether we're in the Midwest and it's a heat wave or it's a flood or if it's in the wintertime, a, a severe cold and snap, shelters are getting activated during those times. People with disabilities are vulnerable during those times. And unfortunately, we are not at a place yet to where we have a system that ensures all people, their needs are met during these times, and especially afterwards, in the long recovery and road people have ahead of them. 
to get back their lives. So many people from Hurricane Michael, 100,000 families were displaced from that disaster, relocated to other parts of the state to have to start their lives over again. It was my hope that they were well-received in those new communities, that when the kids went to school, that they you know, were integrated in and, and welcomed, that they were able to find new jobs, to start over. That's my hope. And when we think about the major challenging issues that are in the times where these disasters are not happening. So I'm talking about affordable housing, such a huge issue. And when a disaster strikes, and now people are having to be displaced out of their homes in an already depleted housing market, it's very tough. Whatever issues are, are very challenging before a disaster are only amplified after the disaster. So if it's affordable housing, if it's overcrowded classrooms because we don't have enough teachers, if it's you know, a transportation system, personal care attendance, whatever it may be, disasters only amplify the issues that are already there before the disaster strikes. And so that's why it's so, another reason why it's so important to attend to these issues and try to do the best we can to improve the conditions of these issues, certainly in, in the normal day-to-day times without disasters, but particularly once disasters strike, these issues become much more complicated, especially for those that are now facing these type of issues post-disaster. When it comes to these natural disasters, it affects everybody. It's my hope that we can keep ourselves safe, we can keep the ones we love safe, people in our community and our neighborhood safe, and if people have the capacity to look into organizations that are responsible for preparing people to, to be safe before disaster strikes for organizations that help while the disasters are occurring, and especially for those organizations that help with the recovery, the long-term recovery. There are still people recovering from disasters that happened years ago. Their stories are not broadcasted on TV the way it is before, during, and after disasters. It's not as uh, glamorous, I guess, or or captivating to get the numbers, but it's when people need us the most. And so I'm very grateful to work for an organization uh, that works with people while they are recovering and those long roads. And I'm so grateful for all the other organizations that are doing it. I am so grateful for the emergency operations centers, the people that work in emergency management, people that work in other emergency disaster relief organizations, that are taking their time, risking their lives um, for other people. Uh, Instead of being at home and sheltering and with their families, uh, they are out there right now concerning themselves with helping other people. I'm so grateful for the helpers. As uh, Mr. Rogers' mother told him as he was witnessing uh, the aftermath of a disaster, you know, look for the helpers because they are out there. And it is my hope that We can have more helpers, more hands on deck, because these disasters are going to keep coming. And we can get wrapped up in discussions all day long about what's causing them. Is is global warming real? Is climate change real? Those are important conversations to have. And regardless of those causes, disasters are going to keep happening. 
and our ability to respond efficiently and effectively is something that we're going to have to attend to. Whatever the causes may be, how we are going to efficiently and effectively respond to ensure people are safe, all people are safe before, during, after disasters is something that we are going to have to continually work at getting better at if we want to evolve together as a culture, as a community, as a group of people that are connected and unified onward and upward. Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.